Thank you, Brother Kyle and uh, Jennifer. Thank you all for your hospitality. And uh, thank you to this church, uh, Harvest Church. Uh, my wife, uh, Linda, and our three boys, Jack, Logan, and Ethan, have come to love this church. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to share God's Word here already. Uh, blessed and honored to, again, uh, we've been back and worshiped with you. Actually, we're here Easter Sunday and have always been blessed by your community uh, and love the focus on discipleship uh, that God has really placed in Kyle's heart uh, from his uh, initiation in planting and founding this church. As a church planner, I know that all that is entailed in that. And so it is an exciting journey. Uh, at the same time, it's a roller coaster ride. Uh, so thank you all for saying, you know, God has called us here to help grow the life of this church in years to come. And I just look forward to hearing and seeing uh, all that God will do uh, in you. As Kyle shared, we planted, now it was, well, 13 years, planted and pastored a church in Jackson and really had a, a very large interest always in global missions. Uh, and in church planting around the world, and was privileged to be part of some church planting uh, initiatives uh, throughout the world. And then finally, uh, God really began to lead us to do something more. And that's where He is taking us uh, into uh, Paris, France. And I, I have some slides here that I hope uh, we can show. I've shown these before, but some of you might not have been there. And the boys have definitely grown up a little bit since those pictures were taken. But uh, we are, uh, the Tate's in Paris, and you can go to our blog, thetatesinparis.com, uh, for more information. Uh, we actually, so if you don't know, and Kyle shared a bit about this, we were supposed to go like a year ago, uh, August of 2020. And obviously COVID happened, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that in the sermon. Uh, and it put... Uh, I don't know how you feel about the last year, the pandemic, but uh, for us, it definitely put our life uh, on hold in some way. I mean, we're always moving forward by the Lord's grace. Uh, but there was definitely some affliction that I'll share more about that happened because of uh, what we call this COVID pandemic. Uh, but the Lord is opening doors, and we have stayed focused, and we are looking to be able to go in the next month. Uh, so... That's, uh, that's us if you want to know more of the blog. We have some other slides too. Uh, some of our partners in Paris, the International Baptist Convention. That was a men's retreat in 2020. Uh, but one update, so last Sunday I was preaching as well, but I was actually preaching at an IBC church in Paris. Okay, So we were in Paris last weekend. Uh, the, uh, the country has opened up, and to get our boys in school... Uh, they actually had to be there for an interview and for some testing. It was a very unexpected, unplanned, impromptu trip that like, I mean, it was so unexpected that like we knew or we heard we were supposed to go around June 23rd, 24th, and so we were on a flight June 27th, okay? So it was that unexpected uh, when they said, You're, if you want your oldest son to be in school, he has to test by July 1st, so like, all right, we got to get over there. So, but I was blessed to be in, at a church uh, there in Paris last Sunday and to preach. Uh, let's go to the next slide. And it was Emmanuel International Church of Paris in Rouet. Rouet is a area of Paris. That's the pastor. You see his hat there. He's a big Alabama fan. Sorry, Kyle. 
Uh, he's from Tuscaloosa. Yeah, the A is not for the Braves. It's for the Roll Tide. Uh, so we have that SEC connection, and we will be able to get along. As Kyle and I get along, I'm an Ole Miss guy, so, uh, and I'm not a hater. So uh, I'm just a fan, a sports fan. But we were there and got to preach uh, with Parker and Kyra. That's the pastor and his wife. Keep going, how many slides we got here? And then they planted a church in another area of Paris called Turns. It will be the second plant. But the plan is that I will serve in the mothership for about a year and preach and teach and pastor, and then we will go to another site in Paris. But So they've already planted that church. And then we're a part of Acts 29, so Acts 29 Europe is a network that we are connected with. And so we're very grateful for these connections uh, throughout uh, both Paris, Europe, uh, and really the world in terms of church planting and raising up the kingdom through planting churches. Is that it? We got any more? We're good? Oh, no. There are some French partner churches in Paris, too, uh, that we have been encouraged. Those are some pastors in Paris that are French. We are actually going to be in an English-speaking international church, so I'll be preaching and teaching in English, but I am trying, we're trying to learn French, which is very challenging, I have to say. But uh, that's part of the, uh, the challenges of overseas ministry, and, uh, and we're just grateful to be, to be part of that. Is that it? No, that's not it. Okay. Sorry, we have a lot of partners. That's our missions agency, Global Grace Fellowship, and they are, uh, they are a big help as well for us. So as you can tell, hopefully, we have a lot of surrounding partners, including Harvest Church, and I believe that is it, all the slides. Okay. So uh, thank you all, and thank you for connecting. You know, I was sharing this with Kyle earlier, too. You know, one of my hopes over the next year is that this church could take a, what I call a vision team of uh, maybe three or four or maybe more folks to come and visit us and really see the vision and come back here and share what the Lord is doing because you guys do have a heart for missions, uh, and I know this from Kyle, from other countries around the world, uh, from places in Asia, Turkey, now us, and I'm just very thankful for y'all. Whether you realize it or not, your commitment to missions, global church planting, that I believe God will grow in you as well. And we're here, we want to help build you a bridge to see what the Lord is doing, both in Europe, in Paris, uh, and in us, and the relationships we have. And hopefully, that will plant even more seeds uh, for fruitfulness for the kingdom, and to see what God's doing. So, so we're just saying, please come. Uh, if it's three, if it's four, if it's 13, hey, you know, that's Kyle's problem. If 20 people want to go, you know, and uh, that's a good problem to have. It's a good challenge. So, today though, I do want to talk about mission. And if you would, turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to be reading verse 1 through 5. I want to talk about mission, but I want to talk about more than mission. Uh, I'm not much on titles for sermons, uh, but I do believe in them. So if I had to title the sermon, I would, talk, I would say it's mission and affliction and hope. Mission, affliction, hope. I couldn't get that third word to rhyme. So anyway, but anyway, mission, affliction, hope. And we see all these in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Let's read together. It says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace 
in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Love that passage. I've loved it for many years. Uh, it speaks to me. I think it speaks to us in a lot of ways. Uh, and first, in a, in a way, and it doesn't mention this word, but it talks to us, to you, about mission. Really about your mission. Because when, when I say the word or when we hear mission, uh, we think a lot about what I've already said here today. We think about global mission in different places, uh, everywhere from Pakistan to Turkey to France to other parts of the world. And that's good. We can think about missions locally. I know what comes to my mind are, are needy locally. Uh, people and places, and that's, that's good. That's part of the call. Uh, but I want to talk about like your mission. When I say you, I'm really putting myself in there, really all of us. I mean, our, our first mission. What might that be? Well, often we think of mission two as just you go. You go somewhere. I mean, maybe it's to your neighbor, which I believe in, or to nations, which I believe in. But mission is about going. But before you do any going, missions is first about knowing. I mean, you got to know before you go. You got to know something of great importance before you go anywhere. What might that be? Well, you need to know the where, like where you're going, but also you need to know the need where. Like you're going to hear me say, Oh yeah, Paris, France. And you might say, man, it must be nice. I mean, that's a tough post. And I can tell you that there's a lot of, a lot of uh, poverty, a lot of grittiness, uh, a lot of challenges in a place like Paris that's different from here. There are challenges everywhere. Uh, it's very dense, densely populated. 12 million in the metro area. Uh, 3 million who speak English. A lot of immigrants. A lot of Muslims say that. Uh, a lot of agnostics, a lot of atheists, a uh, lot of different challenges there. And there are very, very few churches. And the few churches have even fewer resources. So it's, there's a great need that we hope that you will be a part of in the future. So you've got to know the where, and you've got to know the need, but you've got to know something even greater than that. I mean, to go anywhere in mission... What do you have to know? Uh, and this passage tells us. you got to know this. I love in Scripture where it first says, therefore. Like wherever it says, therefore, you need to look up to what's said before. Because something important was said. Anytime Paul writes, therefore. Anytime in Scripture, but Paul seems to, and Kyle knows this, write, therefore, a lot. So, what does he say before that? Chapter 4, verse 24 and 25 says, But also for us, it will be credited to us who believe in Him 
who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I love that. But also for us. Credit to us, given to us who believe in Him. Raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our sins and raised for our justification, our salvation. You got to know that. Before you go anywhere, before you do anything. You got to know that. Mind, heart, and it changes everything. But then you got to know more. Because he says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Those two verses say a lot. Uh, and that is what you got to know. But like, what does it really mean? Like, how, you know, to know something, like you can read it and say, okay, you know, like sometimes if you're like me and been raised Christian, I mean, it's like, oh yeah, I've heard that all my life. I know that. Maybe, and I would say that, and for years I didn't really know that. I mean, that maybe you hear today like, man, I know, I know this stuff. Maybe you don't. Maybe it hasn't been processed. Maybe you haven't really thought about it. Maybe the seed is dropped, but it's just beginning to grow fruit. So we've got to know this. Well, what does it say? Once, first, it says you've been declared. You've been declared. You know, we live in a world now of declaration. Like, we like to declare uh, and now this world is how it is that we have all these platforms. We can declare a lot. We can declare about sports teams and championships. Kyle, you know, a fair bit. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, we can declare, I am. We say, I am this. My family is this. With photos or words. Or we can say they are. Or we can say he is, she is. We declare a lot. So first, we've got to know that we've been declared over and above, over and above by anybody else, by God. We've been declared righteous by faith. Righteous by faith. You're not declared by anything you do even though we all think that we are. Like, we can think, yeah, I'm declared like, you know, good or decent Christian going into the mission field. Or I'm declared good, decent, you know, planting a church or, or coming regularly or being involved in a mission project or, or worship leader or what it, whatever it is. I mean, we, we feel like our actions, our work declare us. And that's not Christianity. It's not. That's what we got to know. That we're, we're declared righteous only by our, our faith. And then this gives us, if we really know this, this gives us true peace. Like we don't have to prove ourselves by actions. God has already declared us His and righteous. We can have real peace 
real peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says we also have access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now that's important, and listen, bear with me, that can be hard to understand. Like first, I mean, just to, to know and rest that you don't have to prove anything by your actions, okay? You can have like real peace. And always you have this same access into grace. You know, as I was reading about this message, you know, I was thinking about that verse like, we obtain access through him by faith into this grace. So I was thinking access into grace. The, the original meaning of this passage in its Greek uh, literally meant you have continual access into grace. That's real important because often, especially on here, we think, okay, saved once, received grace, and that's done, and that's it, and move on. But here it's saying we have access continually throughout our life to the grace of God. That's so, so important, okay? Let me give you an example of my life where I need peace, where I've had to claim God's declaration and not my own or others and rely on continual access to grace. This past year, I mean, this past year, and I told Kyle this the other day, that the biggest burden, and I mean, I regret it, but I'm able to say it. I mean, it saddens me to say it. It's embarrassing to say it, but the biggest burden is just thinking like, what do people think of us? You know, we're supposed to go a year ago. We're still here. Do people think we're a failure? Do people think it's not going to happen? Do people, are we going to lose supporters? Do, we think, do people think we're crazy? Probably. Some. And yet God's provided and the door's still open. And we still feel called. What does it matter what other people think? It only matters what God thinks. But, that's a big deal. And not many people are willing to admit that. And we get trapped by, hey man, it's more important what others declare of us than what God's declared of us. That's why you have to continually rely on that access to grace if you want to have peace. If you want to have peace. And the result being that we can rejoice like you can really rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You receive it, and the result is rejoicing in the glory of God. So when you know the greatest mission is that others will see that, that rejoicing. Then he goes on and talks about affliction. And I've shared a little bit about that already, but it says not only that, we rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. Affliction this past year to be afflicted. I know a lot of folks who have been afflicted, who are afflicted. We're going to be praying for Blake and his family to be afflicted. You know, there's some who said, you know, 
minimal affliction or, you know, life has been normal the last year. But, and, man, God bless them. But there's a lot of folks that have had some, some real physical affliction. Uh, we have a brother, a supporter, a partner who uh, is a little older than, than me. I don't want to say Kyle, but at least me. And, uh, you know, he got uh, COVID just actually recently. Um, it was around Memorial Day. And he's a big, like, tough dude, former Marine, okay? Hunter, like, guy's guy, love him. But, uh, I mean, he was rocked and dropped to his knees. And he didn't think he was going to make it a, a bit. Hospital, ventilator, whole nine yards. He was humbled. Psychological affliction from, from isolation, loneliness, um, in and out of church, spiritual affliction, some questions, what's God doing? A lot, lot of affliction. And you could even say, hey man, no mission for me. I've got too much affliction in my life. But perhaps, perhaps your greatest mission in your life could be to witness rejoicing in the midst of affliction. Not perhaps, probably that's it, wherever you are. But to witness true rejoicing as you go through the afflictions that we are all going through. And they don't happen to stop this side of glory. But why would you even rejoice? Okay, we know the standard Sunday school answers. But let's real I wanna I wanna get to in this this brief time I have on this this one Sunday, why would you rejoice? I want to get to the knowing, coming back to the knowing before you going. Why would you rejoice? Christianity is different. Not only is it supposed to be different, it just is different from anything else in this world. Here's what I mean, and the Lord really revealed this to me in the last year. In Christianity, any affliction, any affliction only leads to resurrection. You may not believe that. That is the truth. That is the, the gospel. Because the greatest affliction that we will ever go through is physical death, okay? I mean, that's... Paul even said it. The greatest enemy is death. And if you're Christian... Well, you know what happens as a Christian. Resurrection. So if that's the greatest enemy and the greatest affliction we'll ever face, death, and in Christianity that leads to resurrection, then any other affliction, and I'm using some reasoning here, is less than that and also produces resurrection. Like, how? Well, maybe in God's will and in our life, something needs to die and be reborn. That's why I say any affliction you, we go through, it, it, as a Christian, it only leads to resurrection. It only leads to new life. It only leads to something better. That's the hope in the glory of the gospel. Give you an example in my life again, in the past year. There really needed to be death to self-reliance and a resurrection of prayer. Okay? 
because I like to rely on myself and abilities and energy and determination. There needed to be a real death to that and a resurrection of prayer. There really needed to be a death to going first, like with mission, and a resurrection of knowing first. Above all, wherever you go. There really needed to be a death to declaring myself and a resurrection of God's declaration in my life. Any and all affliction... Christianity and its Christians, it only leads to resurrection. And you may, you may debate that, and I would debate you at some point, but that's just that's the gospel. And often we can't see it maybe in the midst of the affliction is why we have to rely on God's word, but it's also what it means that with affliction only produces endurance to character and to hope. And the hope that this affliction is just going to bring about Rebirth, new life, and it's good. So last, hope. I said we were talking about hope, real hope. I want to say real hope because some other hopes can disappoint. Paul says like this, this hope will not disappoint us. You have to think that he added that, this hope will not disappoint us, because he'd probably been in front of or in the midst of so many people that had hope that disappointed. It's interesting that he says that this hope will not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Real hope because other hopes can disappoint. Uh, I ask you today, I ask all of us today, what, what do you hope in? What do you hope for? And just think about first thing that comes to mind. What do, what do we really, if we're honest to ourselves, we might not say it in church, but what do, we, what do we place our hopes in? What do we hope for? You know, if what we place our hopes in can also be placed in a coffin, it will disappoint us. Now, that can be a lot of things. It doesn't have to be a person. It certainly can be. People place hopes in spouses, children, family, friends, but also other things that can, can be put to death. Careers, finances, houses. If what we put our hopes in can be put in a coffin or can die, then it's going to disappoint at some, at some point. But there's a hope that will never disappoint. God's love. God's love in and through Christ. Poured out by the Holy Spirit, who just as well was given to us. Knowing this, knowing this is the real mission of our lives. Before we physically go anywhere, the mission is going to God. Saying, I want to know this. 
reveal this more and more to me through a church, through teachers, through Your Word, through Your Spirit. I need to know this, Lord, because I've got to get through this affliction. Or I've had all these disappointments. And He will reveal it. In His way, in His timing, yes. But it will get us through any and all afflictions. And when we know it, we really know it. You know, the Lord will send us, we'll go. And it may be neighbors, it may be nations, it may be both. Maybe to family, spouse. But the mission is, is knowing that. Helping us move past and others move past any affliction and having that, that real hope. Hope that in Christ, the best is always yet to come. The best always yet to come, meaning tomorrow, meaning next week. Meaning growing older, because growing older means we're growing closer to heaven. Christ, the best is always yet to come. Any afflictions, resurrection, new birth. It's good news. It's good news, and it's for all of us. And I pray that we know it together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us know uh, this truth, this gospel, this uh, this wonderful uh, word that is not just sustaining, but resurrecting uh, for all of us, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and one day physically too. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope that takes us through affliction and gives us the mission of our life uh, to know you and to dwell with you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. And I give you thanks for all that you're doing in the life of this church, and that the best is yet to come. In the name of Christ, amen.